episode son or daughtry i don't know uh whoever whoever's listening here the second secret room multimedia podcast uh you may be familiar with my other podcast fair point podcast uh it's another free weekly podcast on itunes we talk about all sorts of shit over there every week's a different topic and i fucking love pokemon pokemon comes up a lot i've always wanted to do a pokemon centric podcast here the fuck we are. Uh, if you haven't gathered, this is not a child-friendly podcast. There should be an explicit label there warning you. This is not going to be a weekly podcast. It's going to come out when it comes out, and you can deal with it. Uh, Fair point will still be weekly. So while you're jonesing for some Sylph Radio, head on over to the Fairpoint iTunes page, download a couple episodes of them. In the meantime, let me tell you a little bit about this podcast I've got going here. The name Sylph Radio. Every week, we're going to be taking a look at a different aspect of the Pokemon universe. Whether that be a Pokemon, a character, a city, a strategy, anything. Hell, even a move. As I said, we will not be releasing on a weekly schedule, so if you'd like to keep abreast of Sylph Radio news, know when the new episodes are coming out, go on over to facebook.com slash Podcast. like the page, you'll get updates, And we'll try to keep some constant updates even on off weeks. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, suggestions for episode topics, let me know. You can email me at sylphradiopodcast at live.com. And of course, before we get too deep into this, we got to get this out of the way. Pokemon is owned by Game Freak and Nintendo. I claim no ownership over Pokemon. Well, that... Okay, I do claim ownership over Pokemon in the sense that I go out with my Pokeballs, I battle Pokemon, and I capture them and train them to be my own. But I claim no ownership over the intellectual property. That's all Nintendo and Game Freak, but I am a Pokemon master, so I can get it straight. Anyway, each episode will feature myself, yours truly as the host, and... A guest host, or maybe even two or three guest hosts. We, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it works out. That's the general format. Today's episode, I am joined by a very dear old friend of mine. Uh, he, he's played Pokemon for pretty much as long as I have. I'm pretty sure 
probably about exactly as long as I have, a couple years younger than me, but as long as we've known each other, we've trained Pokemon together, we've traded, we've battled, we've discussed, and we're going to do all three of those things except for trading and battling right here on this podcast. Uh, Mr. Phil Cobb. Philip Cobb, say hello. Good morning, everybody. It's not morning when we are recording this, and it's kind of presumptuous to assume it is when they're listening, but... All right, so since you're starting a Pokemon podcast, I have an interesting question for you that I actually haven't come up with an answer for. Um, who is the first Pokemon? You've got Bulbasaur, Rhydon, Arceus, or Mew? Ah, the question of the ages. I love it. <laughs> I love that little uh, logic problem there, that trick question. So what's your answer? What's my answer? I don't know. Well, okay. Let's break it down for everyone that doesn't understand. So we got first choice. Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur is the first Pokemon because he's number one in the Pokedex. And there you go. He's Pokemon number one. He's 01 Bulbasaur. 001, if you will. Second choice. Is uh, Rhydon. I don't know what his dex number is, but it's nowhere close to 001. He's on the list because he was the first one confirmed to be programmed into the games back in Red and Blue. Fair enough. Third choice. Mew. And Mew, of course, is listed in the Pokedex as being the mother of all Pokemon. Uh, the ancestor of all Pokemon. Yeah, you know, however we can trust old Mr. Fuji. But, uh, yeah, uh, the, the fourth answer would be Arceus, who's reputed to be the god of, I don't know, all creation. Yeah, Arceus pretty much created the universe, right? So, and everything in it. That's what the Pokedex says. So, I mean, where do you side? Personally, I'm going to sit with, with, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of caught between Bulbasaur and Arceus. Where do you stand? I guess legitimately, if you really want me to answer that, Arceus. That seems fair. I mean, I created everything, therefore I'm first, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I always took things from a more analytical perspective. And you can say, yeah, Arceus was there first, but the first thing cataloged would have been Bulbasaur. Why Oak, I'm assuming this has always been Oak's endeavor, is questionable to me why he chose Bulbasaur first, but he did. So you think that was the deal that, yeah, I mean, Oak invented the Pokedex, so, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean he was the first Pokemon discovered. People have known about the first 150 Pokemon at least, like, and tons of the other ones for thousands and thousands of years. But they didn't start cataloging them in a Pokedex until Professor Oak invented it. So that was the first one he cataloged. Yeah, I mean, but you, you look at it from a perspective of, uh, you know, you ask somebody on the street who's the first Pokemon, everyone goes, oh, there's one Bulbasaur, which is the typical answer. But if you take it down, you just break it down and look at it. Break it down. Yeah, something like that. The Pokedex, you look at Oak. Oak is in Pallet Town. The first three Pokemon you have access to are the first three, I guess you would say, families listed in the Pokedex. I'm wondering if he just went like, okay, I've got these three, so that's one, two, or one, four, and seven. And then he was like, oh, look, there's Raditz and Pidgeys. They're next. Oh, look, there's the Spiro. That's next. Oh, look, blah, blah, blah. And he just went along like that. It kind of makes me wonder if it's a flawed entry now that I think about it. Well, I mean, obviously then Oak cataloged the Pokemon from a biased perspective, but I mean, he had to choose somewhere to start, so he started around his hometown. Obviously, he has an affinity for Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle. Those are the Pokemon he offers to beginners, and... 
or he really hates them, and that's why he's giving them away. <laughs> I mean, you figure if he really liked them, he could have bred them. He could have bred them and had more and been like, yay, Squirtle's for everybody, because Squirtle is the best. Fuck Bulbasaur. You don't think he does? No. I mean, you fucking look at red and blue. There's a Pokeball still sitting on the table. I'm not going to go take this to the breeding center that hasn't been ex- invented until the next generation yet. <laughs> well, no, come on. In storyline, Phil, let's, let's, let's be legitimate here. That's a video game. Yeah. The and? breeding place, Pokemon bred before second generation of Pokemon games. Did not. <laughs> Show me a level one It's been the egg. same Pokemon forever. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But there wasn't no breeding center till Johto. Yeah, go me. There isn't one in Kanto. Kanto didn't have one, at least not back then. Yep, not back then. So he should have thought about it. I mean, it doesn't mean Pokemon didn't breed, Phil. You're being ridiculous. Um, ridiculous. I'm being ridiculous. Yes. So, if you haven't gathered from you know the episode title, today's episode topic: Bulbasaur. Still not as good as Squirtle. He can definitely whoop Squirtle's ass. Oh, only if he's got Vine Whip. Oh, I see what you did there. Only if he's got Vine Whip. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of more of his trademark move. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, Solar Beam. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I guess. But he just feels more... Maybe it's because when I was young, he was doing that in the anime. And that's kind of why I see him as what the quintessential Vine Whip user. It just never really struck me as something that he does. I, oh, could, man. I feel like Bellsprout could do it better. And I don't like Bellsprout. I totally... My Bulbasaur has got to have Razor Leaf in Vine Whip. So yeah, we're talking about the little green dinosaur with a root or a plant on its back. It eventually grows into a flower when he grows up. But my thought is, what's actually inside that bulb? Oh, we're go- we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that in depth. So without further ado, let's uh, let's move right into this episode. Bulbasaur, uh, National Pokedex number zero zero one, as we've mentioned, uh, known in Japan as Fushigi Dane which means literally, isn't it strange? And it also means mysterious bulb. Seed. seed. Or seed. It's, it's one of those words. Because our Japanese is completely polished. <laughs> and as we mentioned, he's one of the three starter Pokemon offered you by Professor Oak in the Kanto region. If you are a beginner trainer who's getting your starting Pokemon from Oak. Uh, he's classified as a seed Pokemon. And interesting fact, the only other Pokemon with this classification is... Sunkern. There you go, Phil. Damn. I'm sorry I ever doubted my knowledge. Phil does not have notes. Phil did not research. That's straight from the fucking dome right there. From the dome. Right. All right. So, yeah, Seed Pokemon shares its classification with Sunkern. But other than that, they're really not that very well related. Sunkern pretty much sucks. Bulbasaur is kind of awesome. Another interesting thing about Bulbasaur is that Bulbasaur is the only dual-type starter Pokemon. Now, I know a lot of Pokemon, starter Pokemon, evolve to dual-types, but Bulbasaur is the only one that you get at its baby stage with more than one type. Grass and Poison is Bulbasaur's type, of course. I was trying to disprove that statement here for a few seconds, but I just I can't think of anybody, so yeah, I guess that's right. It is. Yeah, the first time I heard that, I was like, no way. Oh. Now, do you think that Squirtle got the shaft out of those first three because he doesn't get a secondary type? Or do you like that he doesn't get a secondary type? I find him to be a lot more 
he's 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 less in complexity, but he's a lot easier to plan for and plan. Well, I guess plan for going up against. I guess. So I mean, in a sense, yeah. But what type can you really give a starter back in the first generation that was really right. gonna either help him out? I feel like everything would have screwed a water type over. Fair enough. So the abilities that Bulbasaurs are known to have are a overgrow. Uh, which makes this Pokemon's grass-type moves increased by 150%, but only if the user has less than half his HP, his or her. Or B, Chlorophyll, which is during sunny weather, your speed stat will double. Uh-huh. <laughs> which do you prefer, Phil? Overgrow uh, or Chlorophyll? Well, it's uh, dependent on what kind of team I'm running. If I'm running sunny day, obviously I want Chlorophyll, because you can give growth on him, and you just... He skyrockets in speed, attack, and special attack, which makes him an amazing mixed sweeper, but it's entirely dependent on sunny day. And a whole turn for using growth. Are you a time lord? What happened there? What was that? Nothing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was just trying to play off of your accent. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, overgrow... Your neck looks cold. Do you want to borrow those, my scarf? No. Those base like overgrow, blaze, torrent, those always felt sort of lackluster to me. Because, I don't know, I've always been at the point where if your Pokemon gets to half HP, he's way below half. He didn't just barely get there. And, I don't know, just 1.5, it's normally got a 50% um, boost on it for being his type. Or I don't know, it just really felt like it didn't add up to be a whole lot. Or I never found a lot of use out of it. So, I mean, between the two, I'd probably run Chlorophyll. Just on the off chance that I'm double battling and I've got, you know, like a Drought Ninetales or a Drought Charizard or something. There you go. We'll get into strategy a little more in depth near the end of the episode. Bulbasaur belongs to two different egg groups, Monster and Grass. The interesting thing about that is that Bulbasaur is able to mate with either of the other two Kanto starters, which is kind of creepy. Yeah, that, the whole thing about Pokemon mating is kind of creepy, but it's very possible Pokemon don't have sex. I've heard that proposed. What, you mean like fish where they just lay eggs and the other one jizz bombs it? Let's not go down this we'll go down this route in the breeding episode. Bulbasaur <laughs> clocks in at two feet four inches, weighing at fifteen point two pounds. I weighing also at, weighing fifteen yeah, whatever. I would throw it in there that the Pokedex isn't really something that can be trusted as far as height and weight, because a skitty can mate with a Waylord. And depending on which gender is which, that could get very hairy very quickly. Like I just said, maybe they don't. We're going to talk about this in the breeding episode. No, no, no. No Skitty and Waylord mating this episode. Okay, maybe just a little bit. So Skitty can mate with a Waylord, you say? Yes. All right, no. We're, that was it. And that was it. That's the cutoff. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Bulbasaur, it's teal colored. He's got dark green spots. Uh, very similar to like a toad or a frog. Just Google it. Uh, it's also kind of similar to like a mammal-like reptile or a dinosaur, of course. Red eyes, a big leafy bulb on its back, clawed feet. It's able to stand on its hind legs or on all fours. And shiny Bulbasaur are lime green with a darker colored bulb on their back. Right, which if you're trying to come up with that, because you don't for whatever have the internet, if you're a kid, think land before time. All right, little foot, take away his neck, take away if his tail. If you're a kid... If you shut up, kids, if you're a kid, no, 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 no. Turn off this podcast. Go watch the Pokemon show. Better yet, play the game. You just advocated kids to watch the show. I'm disappointed in you. 
As we've mentioned, Phil's a big fan of the fact that Bulbasaur can extend a pair of vines from the bulb. And he can also fire leaves from its back. I think they come from, like, around the bulb. Uh, The bulb also contains numerous types of seeds stored in it. And it has the ability to suck large amounts of air into the bulb at one time. (laughs) Makes perfect sense. Apparently... Now, this is something that's really interesting to me that I don't think a lot of people think about. The seed um, that forms the bulb is planted in Bulbasaur's back at birth, presumably by one of its parents, I assume. This has never been made clear. Or because the seed is a parasitic life form. That's the only thing I can think of. I mean, if if you got a baby and it's born and then you try to put like a, I don't know, what is going to be foreign to it into its body, its body should reject it. So I think it's it's... I don't know if it's so much planted there as it was just there and it grows to become a bulb. I don't know if it was always well, No, it, it is planted there. That much by is who? made clear. Or, um, who it, said that? By who? The Pokedex. All well, look, sorts of in-game information. Uh-huh. It doesn't make it clear who. I think it must be their parents. It must be a seed that comes from one of their parents that they plant in its back. I think since I hatched an egg and the bulb is already there, it's just part of him. No, it, it was planted there by its parents, man. It's it's legit. That's 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 in the Pokedex. Well, it would have to be by its mother because the father can be anything in the what monster or grass egg group. So the father so, yeah. clearly had nothing to do with it. So it must be its mother, yeah. Okay. What well, if its mother's a ditto? Then you wouldn't. You get a Bulbasaur with no bulb. <laughs> that would be great. A naked Bulbasaur. Oh my God, the poor thing. That would be like. On commercials in the Pokemon universe with, like, Sarah McLaughlin, like, oh, oh, that's actually Celine Dion, isn't it? I don't know, but, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> depressing. I mean, he'd be all, like, in a cage and stuff, and, and um, let's see, who would this be... This Bulbasaur needs your money. That opens up a lot of questions for genetic er- experimentation. If you deny the parents access to the child at the moment of birth, you have a very odd-looking Bulbasaur. No, I wouldn't say it dies. I think it would, because Bulbasaurs don't consist mainly on food. They consist mainly by, like, photosynthesizing and stuff. They should still be able to photosynthesize without this big, giant, parasitic flower on their back. No, that's the main vehicle of the photosynthesis. If it was necessary for its existence, it would be in its genetic structure. It would not need to be planted on the creature itself. According to, like, the Pokedex and shit, the creature does have to eat... But not often. Um, well, there it's subs- you go. No, dude. It subsists mainly on nutrients gathered by the bulb, especially in its youth. And it can go days without eating because it doesn't have to because that's how much nutrients that bulb gathers for it. I still find lots of conflicting information. If it's uh, From a scientific standpoint, a creature cannot be born in a way that is contradictory to its survival, i.e. without a bulb. This is a different universe. Still, why would your genetic genes make your child your unable, genes, as, opposed, as opposed to your Levi's? As opposed Levi's. to like your rude genes or your Levi's? Yeah. Why, why would your genetic structure dictate you to be born in a way that is insufficient to your existence? The Bulbasaurs would have died out a long time ago. I feel like the bulb is there at birth and because, this, because they don't understand how a plant, they, I mean the scientists in the Pokemon you. A lot of Pokemon have much more strange origins than that. Such as? Such as, I don't know, fucking Garbodor, Cubone, who's supposed to always be wearing its mother's skull, even though we've seen that to not be true. 
You but could... we'll talk about that in the Cubone episode because I have my own opinions on that. Oh yeah, well Cubone is obviously Kangaskhan's offspring. How about the fucking Yamask and Kofagrigus used to be people? Like, yeah, and I'm saying they used to be people. They died. It said that Shuppet or uh, let's see, what is it? Bennett was a toy that was thrown away. How did it gain its sentience? There's a lot of questions. Because this universe operates on slightly different rules than our own. Well, it's still, why would you produce offspring that are incapable Nothing, of survival? I assume it's a mutual relationship between the Bulbasaur and the plant that grows on its back to the point that this mutual relationship has occurred for so many eons that it functions as one organism. Like, there are real-life creatures like that in the real world. Still, if it's biologically produced from an egg or wherever they breed from, I feel like the bulb is going to be there. It's just going to be part of its genetic makeup. I don't think it's put there. It's not, though. You don't think, but that's that's legitimate information straight from the fucking Pokemon world. Yeah, because they're like, oh, let's just put this in there, fat, fat, fat. We could spend the whole podcast talking about this. Let's not. No, what do you, you know think? What? Let's. What do you think they do eat though? Because they eat a little bit. They do have to eat, but they don't have to eat a lot. Now, do you think they eat insects, veggies, meat, both? We'll, we'll, we'll consider this. You, you look at the show, and there's like, oh, there's all this food on the table, and then they're like, wait, no, uh huh? There's there's nothing that is not Pokemon in this world. So all that's Pokemon. They eat each other they're all cannibals i don't know it eats whatever it sees on the ground whatever appeals to it oh, the bulb geez. pulls in the nutrients so it's obviously pulling there are in. carnivorous pokemon and herbivorous pokemon like and, tyrantrum uh but the bulb this point of contention that it is <laughs> uh grows bigger and bigger as the creature grows eventually oh, what big shock it grows oh Oh, I thought, oh, Big Shock. I thought you said Big Shot. Oh, fucking Mr. Big Shot over here. <laughs> Bulb grows. Oh, is that something it does too? Bulb it's... on your back. Eventually it grows big enough to prevent the creature from standing on its hind legs. The more time a Bulbasaur spends in the sun, the faster it grows. And often they will just nap in the sun and still be gathering nutrients and growing. And yeah. Uh-huh. So I imagine you get a Bulbasaur in the sun, it's not very likely to want to... Leave. Move and leave, and yeah. Definitely helps to have a Pokeball. Yeah, because uh, you just keep him in there forever, and he stays a Bulbasaur forever, according to your logic. If you keep him in the Pokeball? Yeah, he's not in the sun, he's not absorbing nutrients, he's not growing. You're effectively cryogenically freezing them inside yeah. something that just suits you. Of course. That's pretty fucked up. Kind of douchey. Uh, there's contention in the scientific community over whether to classify Bulbasaur as a plant or an animal. Oh, I don't know. That should be over really quickly because it's born without the seed, which makes it a plant or not a plant, duh, animal, right? Right? Because the seed is put there. So it's clearly an animal. I mean, what I'm getting at chronologically is Bulbasaur hasn't existed forever. I mean, you can all the way date back to Mew and all that other stuff. But I mean, you know, it's whatever. That, uh, that's not what you were getting at, though. Well, okay. I mean, you look at it this way. Whatever. Let's say Arceus made everything and then Mew and then all of our current stuff is from Mew. Okay, we've got fossils that have, that are from Pokemon that existed so many thousands, hundreds of thousands of years ago. Whatever. How, do, how does that work? Because we've got them from so many thousand years ago. What is the link between them and what's there now? 
Not what, what we've brought back. Like, okay, so you've got Kabuto, Kabutops, whatever, they died out. Okay, so there's also missing links from what we have now reaching all the way back to Mew. There's got to be fossils of stuff that existed between Mew and what's currently available. Fair. There has to be tons of Pokemon that existed. So where are those fossils? Are they interesting enough to resurrect? I don't know if that's the discussion for the Bulbasaur episode, although I'd love to get into it. Do a whole episode on fossils. That's That's a really interesting question. So, where did Bulbasaur come from? Um, Their parents? Huh? Their parents? (laughs) Well, yes. True. But you never run into them in the wild. We haven't yet. Uh, There are actually wild Bulbasaur in Kanto. However, they are incredibly rare because they've been designated as starter Pokemon. And hence... They're raised by breeders to be distributed in new trainers. Which means there should be way more of them. If, well, there are. See, when I breed, I make like 40 eggs before I get the one I actually like and take and choose and train and glorify and make it beat the Pokemon League. But, I mean, what do I do with the rest of them? I release them. Where do all those Pokemon go? Crickets? Cricketots, anyone? There are wild Bulbasaur, like I said. But right, the and there thing should is, be more. They're almost, I, I see it like they're almost like breeds of dogs, you know what I mean? Like, like they're bred on an as-needed basis? Well, no, I mean, what's the word for a species that's evolved as, as a consequence of man domesticating them? Domesticated? That's the word! No, come on, man. I don't, they're, they're mostly raised by breeders. So uh-huh. the majority of the population of Bulbasaurs are breeder-raised. They're not. Uh-huh. They're they're raised in captivity. They're not wild Pokemon. Yeah, but if you get one that has like Down syndrome or some shit, you're gonna throw that in the wild. Come on. Oh my goodness. Nobody Phil. wants a Down syndrome. Well, Bulbasaur. I never. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was kind of jacked up. <laughs> what if you get a retarded Bulbasaur who doesn't have his bulb or his bulb's half dead or something like that? You're gonna chuck that guy into the wild. You know, you know, it's a way of things. Well, there are wild Bulbasaur, like I said. <laughs> yeah, they're all retarded or have Down syndrome. <laughs> I'm going to learn so much about the Pokemon you I'm going to here on Sylph Radio. We take we take this shit serious. Alright, thanks for listening to Sylph Radio. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. We ain't taking shit. Uh once a year actually there is a gathering of wild bulbasaur in a hidden garden in Kanto. How do they know where it is if it's hidden? How do fucking birds know where to go where they go? It's instinctual, but how do we know it exists if it's hidden? Because we're metagame, Phil. Oh, yeah, let's god mode this shit. Yeah, <laughs> Pokemon, yeah. Uh, the, the procession's led by a Venusaur, and it centers around Bulbasaur's evolving into Ivysaur's. So it's, it's sort of a butt mitzvah, if you will. Uh-huh. <laughs> a bulb mitzvah. That's better. But a still bulb not mitzvah, quite there. that's what we're going to call it. Better, <laughs> but not quite there. <laughs> Some trainers of note that have Bulbasaur's... Uh, Erica has a Bulbasaur, according Ash. to the TCG. Ash has a Bulbasaur. <laughs> yes. Thank you for being patient. I guess we'll do Ash then. <laughs> Ash, that fake floozy red ripoff. Okay, so Erica, I figure with gym leader status, she'd have more than a Bulbasaur. I feel like she'd have, I don't know, a Venusaur? It's possible. Grass type, I don't know. I mean, I feel like gym leaders should have the status enough to breed. They should know enough of what's going on to breed their own eggs. They shouldn't need a breeder. Well, regardless, life doesn't revolve around battling. Um, Yeah, it does. Have you seen Ash's journey? Erica's Bulbasaur, actually, she uses to run errands for her. 
So I don't even think it's one of her battling Pokemon. Well, la-dee-da. I don't beat you up, but I send you off to go do my bidding. Almost as bad. Such a cynic. Those gym leaders are hateful bastards. I think you're the hater here. Uh, As you mentioned, Ash does have a Bulbasaur, which once protected a hidden garden where Pokemon would rehabilitate and, you know, relax and chill. Enjoy the the wildlife. Enjoy the the wildlife. Yeah, they just ogle each other all day. Yeah, it's a whole lot of fun. But now he's retired from battling and lives with Ash's other Pokemon at Professor Oak's ranch. So, you know, he did good, and before he got cool, Ash threw him away like he does every other time. Yeah. (laughs) Loser! Fuck that show. Fuck that protagonist. Fuck that dude. Wow. You took the words right out of my head. Nah, Ash is a bitch. Yep. Red is a straight G. Red has a Bulbasaur named Soar, because Red is notoriously bad at naming Pokemon. (laughs) Uh, it's now a Venusaur, actually, and it was given to him by Professor Oak after he helped Professor Oak save all his escaped Pokemon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm, yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. So Bulbasaur evolves to Ivysaur at level... 16? No? There you go! Oh my god, never doubt the fucking mind of Phil. That shit's like a fucking... It's like a lock box. You just put Pokemon shit in there. And it's a lock box. There's other stuff in there, trust me. <laughs> that's another podcast in and of itself. Ivysaur is known in Japan as Fushigiso, which is translated as strange grass. He's known in French as Herbazar. As in like an herb and bizarre. Herbazar. You got it. I always felt Ivysaur was, was very crude in his design. His his bulb has flowered, but it's still up. And it, it always radiates a presence of smoothness, whereas his, his leaves are very jagged. So I found him to be very contrasting. And he he's, hasn't really done much from his Bulbasaur stage. He's just sort of grown a little. He's like 60 or 80% larger, but there are no His major fangs design are bigger. changes. His fangs are bigger. Um, He's grown a little bit. Yeah, his bulbs opened up a little bit. Uh, there's like a large pink bud in there waiting to bloom. <laughs> Longer, stronger legs, but he can't stand on his hind legs, as we've said earlier. Uh, shiny Ivysaur is kind of like light green. No big change there. No. Ivysaur's in Smash Brothers. Uh-huh. That's pretty cool. Smash Brothers is pretty cool, but that's another episode, and I'm going to stop myself right there. <laughs> uh, when Ivysaur is ready to evolve to Venusaur, the flower bud on its back starts swelling and giving off a pleasant, sweet-smelling aroma. Mm-hmm. And the Ivysaur just starts getting really lazy, spends more time just chilling in the sunlight, absorbing nutrients as it gets ready to as it evolve gets... and make that next step into its its new phase of its life. Yes, because that makes perfect sense. Step into the next stage of your life, but before you get there, sit on your ass, drink a beer, find some potato chips, and sit there for a few weeks. Oh yeah, sit there in the sun. Right, because that's sending a great message. Wink. Well, if you're a fucking Bulbasaur, it is. It's productive. I don't know, I feel like he could be doing, a, uh, or an Ivysaur should be doing a lot more to get ready for a large transformation than, I don't know, Sitting on its ass. <laughs> well, that's what it does. Okay. And about what level does this happen, Phil? 32. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Venusaur is called Fushigibana in J- Japanese. Fushigibana! 
That's a pun on Fushigi no Hana, which means strange flower. And he is, of course, the mascot of Pokemon Green and Pokemon Leaf Green. But y'all don't know about green, do you? <laughs> Listed in the erroneous Pokedex as 6 foot 7 inches, 220.5 pounds, much bigger than Ivysaur, makes a big jump in size in that evolution, uh, wider squat body, uh, the darker green spots have disappeared from its skin, just a uniform teal color. So what you're saying is Ivysaur has pimples, and they go away when he grows up. No, no, no. Actually, Venusaur has more, like... No, but you said the dark green spots go and, away. But, the yeah, the dark green spots on its skin. Yeah, it's pimples. No, they're just spots of color. It's pimples. Uh, of course, the main thing you first notice when you see a Venusaur, the flowers opened up into a large spotted pink flower atop, like, a thick, almost, like, tree-like trunk. Almost like a palm tree trunk. Yeah, and it's surrounded like by big green leaves, almost like palm leaves. And the more nutrition and sunlight it gets, the more vivid the color of its flower is. Okay. The more you know. <laughs> shiny Venusaur is still ugly. Pretty much the same color scheme as Shiny Ivysaur. Light green. Uh, the flower is yellow and orange. See, that, that's what kills me. His flower should have been like blue or like... A, a, a tropical green. They should have done something to make him worth pursuing. I feel like shiny Ivysaur, the shiny Bulbasaur family, just is not worth taking the time to get a shiny of. Right. I like the fact that a lot of shiny Pokemon aren't that different up until the point where it's a Pokemon that I'm like, ooh, I want to see what this shiny will look like. Oh, really? That's it? He's just two tones of red lighter. Oh, like, so many cool, like... Wah, wah, wah moments when you're shiny hunting. Fucking Charizard's lucky. He got black. Like, any Pokemon looks cooler when they're black. Yeah, I mean, Greninja is... Don't read any racial undertones into that. There's nothing like that. But Probably like, not Oh my the god, best dude, idea. I love Farfetch'd. Could you imagine a black Farfetch'd? That'd be fucking dope. Yeah, but I mean, like, Greninja's shiny is, like, all black, and that thing wrapped around his neck, which I'm assuming is his tongue, is, is like, blood red. It's, like, amazing, and I'm like... That made me happy because yeah. I fucks with Greninja. I fucks with Greninja hard. Okay, well, I'll leave you and that tongue alone. Back to Bulbasaur. <laughs> so, so, Venusaur, what's next? The pleasant scent that it emits actually makes Pokemon calm, and it attracts Pokemon. Ha, attracts. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you said attracts. <laughs> you said pleasant. <laughs> It's worth noting that it also soothes people as well. Yeah. And yeah. after a rainy day, the plant has a stronger scent. I'm just going to throw this out there. Attracts people as well. There's a lot of abuse for hentai in there. Kids, Get your mind out of the gutter, Phil. It's not in the gutter. I'm just being creative. This is not a family podcast, actually. I, I said that at the beginning. So Yeah. So never mind. Get your mind back in the fucking gutter. What about what about this hentai Bulbasaur no. hentai? Never mind. Google it. I'm sh- it, rule thirty four. If we know, it exists, we know Phil does apparently. If it exists, there's there's porn of it. So just rule thirty four. Remember that. So I can imagine then that's an interesting aspect of you know real life having I mean, a Venusaur. Oak should be studying that. He studies human and Pokemon interaction, so he should know all about that. It's got to make it easy to catch Pokemon. The Pokemon are are. I bet he's the camera. Attracted man. to come towards you and find you, and then they're calmed and. Well, he learns and... sweet scent, or I'm assuming he can. So yeah, that makes sense. 
Or if you're really pissed off, you're in a bad mood, bring out your Venusaur. Just breathe in that smell and it soothes you because it soothes people too Or much. because that's not how most people are thinking about They use Venusaur to attract things that will come over and you can beat them up because you're pissed off. <laughs> but then by the time they get there, you're still you're pissed. Soothed you're, you're still like, pissed. Hey, little Teddy Ursa buddy. What's Boot up? to the head. <laughs> Boot to the fucking head! No. Uh, and then you get your ass whomped by an Earth ring. I mean, you know, this is just the cycle of life. Have you ever read the Electric Tale of Pikachu mangas? No. 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 I haven't read any of the mangas. Because I can't read Japanese. Well, I've got a lot of the... I have pretty much all of the Electric Tale of Pikachu series. Those ones were based on the anime, but a lot better. And they... Uh, they made it more realistic, badass. It was pretty cool. And it was po- when Pokemon was still young, so there was more room for interpretation and uh, artistic license. Mm. Meh. In the Electric Tale of Pikachu manga, there is a village underneath a giant tree, and history says that a Venusaur once defended them in battle, and the giant tree was spawned by the Venusaur. Uh, The Venusaur became a guardian spirit and pretty much lives in the top of the tree. If you were to travel up into that tree as Ash's Pikachu, Bulbasaur, and maybe one or two other Pokemon did, I think maybe Squirtle and Charmander, I don't know, you would see an actual twisting of branches together greatly resembling a Venusaur near the peak of the tree. Hidden, and what was the name of this city? The, they never named it. Oh, the great unnamed city with a Venusaur on top of it. Oh, come Venus visit city. on your vacation. Venus City. Really, that's the best you've got. Venus City. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Not Venus City. Venus City. Moving on. <laughs> so, Phil, what happens if you expose a Venusaur to Venusaurite, which is this this rare stone that can be found? He blows up! Exactly. Don't ever expose your Venusaur to Venusaurite. He blows the fuck up. This is going to be great. No one's ever going to be able to beat my Venusaur because no one's going to know that that doesn't actually happen. Sure it does. When you when you crack open the Venusaur, right, it creates a vacuum. And when you go in a vacuum, you blow up. No, nah, but really, though, Phil, what happens when you expose a Venusaur to Venusaurite? He digivolves. I mean, Mega evolves. <laughs> he digivolves. Venusaur he digivolves goes, he goes to Super Saiyan Venusaur. Mega Venusaur. Or SSJ Venusaur. SSJ Venusaur. I like that way better. Uh, I don't know. Intellectual property of, I don't know, Akira Toriyama, maybe? <laughs> So over a foot taller at 7 feet 10 inches. Hot damn, you throw a rock at him and he grows a foot. (laughs) And over 100 pounds heavier at 342.8 pounds, Mega Venusaur gains like a topiary of ferns and vines above the four leaves on its back, as well as a pink flower on its forehead, and like dark green spots on its snout like it used to have when it's younger. Now, see, kids, this is what happens when you throw your, um, your Down Syndrome Bulbasaur into the world. It ends up like that. <laughs> if it finds Venusaur, right? It, it plasters so, a you, flower. We're going to get, like, so many complaints. There's nothing wrong with having Down Syndrome. Oh, I know. So well, I actually, know. there is. I'm sorry. Why would I say that? That's it's such an, a horrible instance. It's, a, it's an additional chromosome, but it's not like there's anything, quote-unquote, wrong with them. And I'm trying to be very politically correct as much as everything against everything about me is against political correctness. Thank you, George Carlin. 
No, fuck political correctness. You should be respectful of people because it's cool to be respectful of people, and it's 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 a good thing to do. Political correctness can eat a dick. Really? Yeah, is this, really. This is what Bulbasaur brings us to. No, no, no. Yeah, really, because because if you're a fucking decent human being, you should just know to be nice to people and to not say things that might hurt another person's feelings. There's nothing wrong with someone with Down syndrome. Well, there's nothing wrong with them as a person, but like, yes, well, there is... that's the point that I'm, I'm the, trying to the, make, is there The reason is... it's called Down Syndrome is because something is wrong, clearly. But like, that doesn't make them a lesser person. I'm not going to say that they're wrong. I'm going to say that they have an existing condition that differentiates them from the normal. All right. Is this, a, what, is this podcast about bubbles? This is not existential criticism. Anyway... Like I said, people with Down syndrome glue flowers to their forehead to feel special. That's where you get Mega Venusaur from. And like Next I'm saying, topic. like I'm saying, as a podcast, Self Radio is incredibly supportive of people with Down syndrome and and people with Phil all disabilities. In has general. a has a horrible misunderstanding of this the syndrome because it doesn't cause you to glue fl- flowers to your head. Yeah, I'm an insensitive prick. <laughs> so long as we're on the same page, yeah. Might as well get it out there. <laughs> So, in addition to gaining a foot, 100 pounds, and Down syndrome, uh, <laughs> Mega Venusaur also gains the ability Thick Fat, which... <laughs> Bill, you're an insensitive prick. <laughs> uh, that gives it protection against heat and cold, therefore ice and fire-type moves. Which is an interesting evolutionary trait, considering those are two of its major weaknesses, aside from attacking its poison side, which you're then looking at I don't know what what was the first generator or pretty much psychic. Well, apparently, Pokemon off the ground. have reactions to like geological formations. anomalies. Anomalies, yeah, there you go. That's the word I was looking for. Evolution stones, mega evolution stones. Okay. Rock candy. What do you think that is? It's rock, rock. candy. <laughs> it's like a candy. Okay. Well, anyway, so Venusaur is fat. Mega Venusaur is even fatter. So if you're going to battle with a Venusaur, what are you going to do? You're going to beat the opponent. Well, yeah. That's, or, or lose because That's objective sucks. one. That's the first thing you want to keep in mind. Or lose because Venusaur sucks. Just throwing that out there. Popular theory says that the best ability to utilize with your Venusaur it's is chlorophyll. chlorophyll. Uh, boosted speed in sunny weather. You give it a calm or timid nature, boosting either its speed or special attack, respectively. And that works best in tandem with a Pokemon on your team that has the ability Drought, which instantly summons Sunlight, as you were mentioning earlier, for the entire duration of the battle, unless it's Unless weather is changed weather subsequently. Condition. Yeah. Which so, was changed in Generation 6 to only be... I, oh, I don't even know how many turns, but it, it has a duration on it as of Gen 6, so it's not as good as it used to be. Now, if you're going to do that, Phil, if you're going to go for that type of team with your Venusaur, what are your only three options for that Pokemon that knows Drought? Come on, you got this, Phil. You got this, Phil. I'm not much of a competitive battler, but the real answer is going to be I wouldn't because I'm never going to run Venusaur because Squirtle's better. Do you got it? Come on, you're not going to try? Just try. I know, no I one cares of, if you get it wrong. I know of Charizard and Ninetales, but I can't think of the last Mega one. Mega Charizard. Why? Yeah, Mega Charizard. Why? And Ninetales. You don't know what the last one is? I can't think of the last one off the top of my head. What if I give you a hint? Are you playing a game with me or the listeners? Hint. No, you. 
Okay, what? It's a fire type. No, I'm just Whoa, playing. I'm yeah, just play. that, that narrows it down. Thanks. Uh, all right. No, no, no. I'm just playing. It's a legendary. Oh, um, Groudon. Never doubt the mind of this man over here on the opposite side of the table as me. Not as you, the listener. You, you're probably not at a table. You might be. So, strategy one, use the ability chlorophyll. Make it sunny. Get that speed boost. Have the item life orb held by your Venusaur, which increases any successful attack by 1.3 times, but deals you damage equal to 10% of your maximum HP. And use these four moves. Growth, which raises attack and special attack even more on top of the life orb. Yeah, it's um, growth gives you two stages of attack and special attack boost under sunny conditions. Combined with your increased speed thanks to chlorophyll under sunny conditions, you've got a pretty nasty sweeper going on. You can throw almost anything you want into your move set, but a lot of them are going to probably push special attack, as I believe that's Mega Venusaur's strong, no, well, regular Venusaur's stronger stat, and they're going to tell you to run Solar Beam because why not? This, this strategy actually doesn't tell you to run Solar Beam. Uh, it goes with Giga Drain which hits the enemy hard and recovers some of the health that you're probably losing. Hidden Power Fire, which deals damage, is Fire-type to counter any Steel-types that are thrown out against you because they're super effective to Venusaur's-type, of course. And, surprise, surprise, gains power from the sun. That fourth move, Sludge Bomb, just for more type coverage and never hurts to have the possibility of poisoning your opponent. Well, I believe Sludge Bomb was thrown in there mostly to counter counteract the fairy type that was introduced in Gen 6. If that's not in there for that purpose, then they just want it so you can have neutral coverage on things that Grass isn't that great at. I'm not sure why they're pushing Giga Drain. If you're as fast as you should be under sunny conditions, Solar Beam is much more likely to one-hit KO than it is Giga Drain, which is a little more than half of Solar Beam's power. Plus, with the growth boost, you're going to one-hit KO almost everything with Solar Beam anyway. Well, strategy two, use Venusaur for stalling and or support. You equip it with the Black Sludge, which gives poison types 6.25% of their health back at the end of their turn. I believe that's 1 16th, and it frees up leftovers for another Pokemon. And then use moves like Sunny Day as a backup in case your Drowder is disposed of. And moves like Leech Seed, Sleep Powder, Substitute. And it wouldn't hurt to have Giga Drain in there, too. Uh, Hidden Power Fire can take care of a lot of Pokemon that are immune to Leech Seed. There you go. I'll just Fire Punch it. Well, if you're fighting against Venusaur, your best option is to change the weather. (laughs) Yeah, there's that. And then you can also go flying. True. But it wouldn't hurt. If you're preparing to fight with somebody that you know is going to use Venusaur... Change the fucking weather. Just rain dance them. That's why Blastoise is better. And that right there is the first episode of Sylph Radio. So tune in next time. We're going to be talking about Charmander. And of course, the next episode, we're going to be talking about Squirtle. First three episodes, got to go with the first three fucking starter Pokemon. The information that's presented in this podcast, it, it comes almost entirely from three sites. Bulbapedia, Cerebi.net, Smogon University. These sites are indispensable sources of knowledge for a Pokemon fan, and they make this podcast possible. No bullshit. Uh, Thanks, guys. 
Thank you for fucking being a free service. Fans like me, fans like our listeners, and thank you for making my podcast possible. Not only that, remember, whatever you read on there, think about it. It'll make a lot more sense, and you can say it a lot clearer next time you have to explain it to somebody. I mean, pretty much do that with anything you read. Not Think anything. about it, you know? No, Not no, anything. Anytime you're reading, you should probably do Skitty that. Skitty and I think it's fair advice. Phil, we hope to have you back on Self Radio again soon. I don't think the viewers hope for it. Or the listeners, whatever. The viewers? I don't... I, I disagree with you entirely, sir. You're a pleasure to have on the podcast. You're a pleasure to listen to. From the Secret Room, I'm Nathan Kapiser. And I'm P. Diddy. <laughs> That's not P. Diddy. Don't sue me, P. Diddy. But if you'd like to get on an episode, just shoot us an email. Podcast at live.com. Hit us up on the Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. We'll get back to you, Diddy, I swear. Daddy, Puffy, Poofy, whatever you're calling yourself now. Puffasaur. We out.